0: This is the Grant and Taco Show. There we go.
1: Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Grant and Taco Show. I am your host, Jared Weiss, Celtics beat writer for The Athletic, and we have a fun one lined up for you this week as the guys go into detail on some big man techniques, particularly something that Grant is coining the Tice, which you actually probably have heard about by now. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the Anything Is Potable feed already, be sure to do that immediately and leave us a five star review. You know, leave us a six-star review if you can, and you can let us know any feedback that you have on the show by tweeting hashtag Grant and Taco. We have another episode coming your way next week, so be sure to stay tuned for more Grant and Taco in your ears as we all try to get through this shutdown. We have some great coverage as well coming from uh from the athletic for you, whether you're following the Celtics, any team in the NBA, any team at sports anywhere, it's all on the athletic, all for the same price. You get access to the full thing. So be sure to sign up now uh but we have stories for the celtics from i just published uh, a rewatch of 1984's game four of the nba finals between the celtics and the lakers one of the most iconic games in the history of the nba probably the most memorable game of the celtics lakers rivalry and i really not only did i focus on what was just great about that game but really analyzing the differences in how the game was played back then to how it's played now and the differences are actually pretty remarkable so be sure uh to give that a read over on The Athletic. Uh, And of course, we are going to have more Grant & Taco coverage, more coverage around the league for you coming up on The Athletics. so stay tuned there. So let's jump into episode 4 of the Grant & Taco show, but just a reminder before we do that, we take this first batch of episodes about a week before the shutdown, so there's going to be references to games that just happened. We recorded it right after the Celtics lost at home to Houston, so sometimes a Houston game will come up. Just a reminder of when this was recorded, so you don't get a little bit confused there. Obviously, some of the stuff that they're talking about as far as Things that they're excited for coming down the pike in the season. Well, they're getting pushed back a while, probably to July, if even at all. So hopefully we will get back to basketball soon. But in the meantime, we have the Grant and Taco Show to keep us entertained. So sit back, relax, get six feet away from the nearest human being and enjoy episode four of the Grant and Taco Show on the Athletic Podcast Network.
0: It's fun. Like I had I had my doubts coming in into the season, like, I was like, man, and like, even when I was in college, I was praying that I don't have to play in the G <laughs> but it it wasn't, it ended up being, you know, not as bad as I thought. Like, I definitely see like the benefit of it, just playing in there, getting experience, um, you know, and just, just pretty much having fun, it helps with your confidence, uh, especially if you have, you know, Having good coach and I mean, I don't know about other teams, but the Celtics Union have done a really good job, you know being making sure like we feel we've kind of felt still like as part of, as part of the organization like we 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 just we just didn't feel like we were put on the side, you know, and we felt like we belong and they that's really good, like especially mentally to know that you know that they care they want to see you develop so that you can help them but it's it's been it's been fun Um, it's almost over now so what what do they do uh, to make you feel that way well especially for me especially with like Jay like Jay constantly like he's constantly texting me watching my games he's like you can do this better or I watched this like you should have done this even like uh, Bailey Bailey on defense like he would he called me a few times, but mostly it's like text. Uh, whenever I come back to Boston, he's like, "On this play, like you didn't have your hands up. Like make sure you keep your hands up. Uh, how you position your feet on the pick and roll? Like make make sure you have your feet square. Like don't open up too much. Like if you if you have your feet ankle a certain way, then you have to open up to catch up to the roller. Uh, don't let the roller get behind you. And you know, just." there are things like that that maybe in the game you can't see, but like they can see it and then talk to you about it. And they've been really, really good about that. And not just them, even like people from the front office, like they watch, like I seen when I'm here, even like when I'm not in Maine and I'm in Boston, like I've I seen Mike every single game on his iPad. He watches every single game. And I don't know how if, yeah, Mike there it's not. It's not like I don't know if other people do that, but I've seen Mike every single game. It's we're either on his phone on the bus, or whatever. Like he, he watches it, and they text us after games. Like good job. Like Allison does it. Kara does it. It's, it's just every they, they they met us you know feel, as far as like, like we belong and. I, Personally I feel like that has really helped me in, in my in my development, in knowing that these people care and that they see me that I can help them, you know, in the future. So
1: And Brandon Bailey. Ben Bailey is the host of uh, Cash Cab. Yeah. Yeah. Great <laughs> oh, comedian. And
0: Dave, do you do does Dave FaceTime you too? Lewin? Yeah. He stopped FaceTime me. Yeah, he, uh, he stopped FaceTime but Dave used to FaceTime, bro. Uh, I I would just sit on my bed, <clears throat> Tremont and I are roommates. Um, when we go to the main at the hotel, so it's like we, get, we but we're in two different rooms. This room is on the other side, and then like I would get a FaceTime call from Dave, and like two minutes later, Chema man come out of the room with Dave on the on the on the phone. I was like, yeah, I was just talking to Dave, and hey, what's up, Dave? It's just he used to do that all the time. He hasn't done it in a while, probably because he thinks we're tired of him. Discarding well, Dave's always like, oh, these guys don't want to. Hear. <laughs>
1: he does He's more of a basketball than all these guys.
2: Huh? Yeah. He 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 gives a lot of advice for sure. That's, that's, that's a good dude. We,
1: we were just having a conversation <clears> in the <throat> press room the other night about uh, about gortoding as you called it before, which is you know see, uh, the big man. Wow, that's that's
0: something. That's something that I'm, like seeing Tyus do it. I'm really I'm I've been really trying to do some of that. But the way I to is like Tyus would literally like box you out. Like he would turn around. But me, when I roll, I'm like facing you and put my arms i'm like.
2: Yeah, so it's a technique to so. so, yeah, like 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 it, it. It's a technique. It's like what's legal. It's like. Call it, yeah. call it the ties, because the way, the, the, the concept of it is kind of just like two screens a screen on the man that's guarding the ball and a screen on your It's kind of illegal, though. You know that. It's not, because if you do it the right way, it's technically a duck in, a post up. That's the way it's supposed to be done, because if you turn your back, you keep your hands up, it's as if you're.
0: You know it's funny? We run the same exact play in college. Like that was one of the plays where, especially like my senior year, Coach Dawkins would run because pe- it's it's hard to double because you like rolling in the middle of the paint. So it's like you if you just go, let's say we're in transition, I beat everybody down the floor and I post. You know they don't throw the ball right away. Then I go to the block we'll and try to. <laughs> no? Huh? I mean, they happen a few times. <laughs> oh, especially, especially in my um, the the last few games of my senior year. You can ask Coach Dawkins. He in practice. This is a true story. A true story. So we in practice, right? And then that was like a few games before our conference tournament, um, if I'm not mistaken. But that was like way before the the NCAA tournament. So we in practice and. I just, I don't know what had gotten into me that day, but I was beating every single player down the floor, like guards, everybody. Coach literally stopped practice and asked the guys, guys, have you ever seen Taco run this fast in your life? Everybody turned around and looked at me, and they shook their head. like, no, and Coach Darker was like, all year I've been trying to make you do that. So <laughs> why are you doing that now? So I guess they say it's like the senior thing. Like when you know it's almost over, then you try to give it your, your all. But like, that's when I really f- like f- started to figure out like, wow, I can really do this. Like I can move. And then from, from that point on, until like the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, that moment right there really helped me like, you know, make that next step where like I started to show really like to show people like oh man like i may be big but like i can get up and down the floor like i can do things that maybe back in the day i was a little hesitant maybe i didn't know i had it in me but like with just the help of like all those people around me i was able to get it out and then it just it just happened like so crazy
1: and so to bring that back to Tyson, Tyson,
2: that's kind of you look back on side picking rolls. you really think about a side picking roll when the man sets the screen and rolls and then seals back his own, like as if he's trying to get a post up. And then the, they throw it back to the lift and he drives the baseline and gets a wide open layup. Kind of the same kind of concept as what we call Gortat or Tyson. It's just in the middle. You set a screen and instead of the ball handling giving it up, you're rolling. And then instead of looking for a lob or you get in front of your man and then post him up as if you're trying to get the ball again and next you know your teammate who has your, his defender on his side can then lay it up at the rim. So the only really defense of possibly of guarding it is by pulling in another defender, which then opens up a wide open three. So many teams, I feel like the more that it's going to happen, just like we, get, we call it the Tice now, but the reason why we did it is because Gortat, Margie Gortat from the Wizards when they were doing it with John Wall,
1: Bradley Beal, and those guys. Well, Aaron Baines was doing it a ton last year. He Still was, was called great. He Gortat. Gortat. It's just that Vance
2: did it. Al probably did it. But Tice does it a ton now. So watching Gortat just retired, guess what? Four years from now, maybe if another coach steals it, they're like, oh, yeah, we saw Daniel Tice do it from the Boston Celtics. And they're going to be like, we called it Tice. So it's like, it's funny how different teams take different things from others. So, like, we are playing Portland this past week, and Hassan Weiss has complaining about how it's a foul, how it's a foul. No, There's no way they should be able to do it. Three plays later guess who does it it's not yeah. right side <laughs> so you're like wow they're really trying to take our stuff now that's crazy but it's I mean, all about it's all about efficiency. doing
0: it we just do it more we do it consistently
2: but it's all about efficiency it's all about how you can put the ball in the basket easier and it's an easy two points right there
1: unless well you're a wing heavy offense usually so it's it's perfect for using when you have six, seven guys who can you're just kind of do a step-through move right around it. Right. And, you know, in two steps. Keep, you, keep the defender on the, the
2: side. Like you, like we said, in the ice, set the screen, you roll, you keep that defender who's then trying to cut you back off because they're not going to be able to cut you back off on the same side they're on in the ice, so they have to go around you. So if you keep them on your hip and the big gets out in front of you and is able to then duck in his defender who's, quote, in the drop in that coverage, then you have a wide up and lane on the opposite side of the backboard, which then would lead to the strong side, the weak side corner pulling in, kick, kick might be a wide open wing three. And it's just gonna start a rotation. So um, it's definitely something that you look at as a basketball player. You're like, wow, that's something that for for marching Gortat to be doing that, and the Wizards to do that from the past. That's, that's something the league will be doing for a long time, especially with how pick pick and roll heavy the league is now back when, when it was just posting the ball up and less about ball screening. You could just throw it in and let your bigs work. Now the bigs are, like we say, small ball or even the ones that we do have are lob threats because if you are trying to take away the Gortat and you get on the strong side, then the big gets behind. He's
0: right there in the rim. I mean, like, so with the small ball thing, right, whenever a team, let's say we, we play against um, – we let's say we have a big team and we play against a small team. The small team automatically automatically expect us to try to post them every time because they're small and they try to get ready for that. But like I've noticed, like the thing with the go every time. <clears throat> a lot of teams that we played in the G League, they like they've been small and like every time. Let's say I set a screen for Trayvon, and then I roll and I try to duck in right there. That's a perfect. That's a perfect play because I'm right in the middle of the paint. He can quick throw it. I can just turn around, throw the hook. It's a bucket every time. Or if 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 they come to me, like you said, like if they try to tag or try to help, then the three is wide open. So um, that could be a way to like just pound them, you know, not just come in there and just try to post because they expect it to come. The so they're of, ready for it.
2: The perks of small ball, and this is where the argument for small ball always keeps, keeps coming is typically you have a speed advantage against teams like that. Or like Houston, they just switch it and the the ball handler isn't allowed to get downhill. And that duck in that you may have had at the middle of the paint is now getting stopped at the three point line and they're under you, forcing you to slow the, slower the roll, slow the roll, slow the roll. And if they don't switch it, they can end up blitzing it. They take the ball out of the point guard's hands and make them give it out fast. And by the time you try and duck in, they're back on you with the same person that was guarding you before. And sure, there probably is an advantage at the rim, but the speed advantage where guys are getting the ball pressure makes, it, makes the pass harder. So th- I think that's where the small ball revolution, as you may say, has, has really gotten teams coming is because they see so many perks of it. Like you, Houston got rid of Clint Capella, and they're like, you know what, we can switch everything and be physical. Because the, the small ball won't work unless you're a physical team. Because then if you're not physical, Everything they're going to team Exactly. Yeah. So there's, only there's only one. There's only. That's That's why is like, so successful. That's with that's,
0: it. that's why I was coming into like, in order to do that, you got to have the right pieces to do it, and just Houston has it.
2: We have it because we have a lot we of do. versatile, we we long, like, strong you're pretty players. Strong. You so can like,
0: do it, and then your defense has gone a lot better. You yeah. can Switch. And you can switch on the
2: guards. Exactly. shimmy can switch on the guards. Denver can do Denver it because they have Paul Millsap, who's a guy that six seven two. Fifth 40 strong I just, rebounds I
0: I'm just I'm just not trying to hear that the big man doesn't have a place in today's NBA. NBA. Uh
2: I wouldn't say they don't have a place. I'm just not There's always to a place. Hear. There's always a there's place always,
0: for There's always like it's, there's situations where you're going to need a big in there like and like someone like Rudy Rudy Gobert for example, he's just showing you like people like that have a place in the NBA.
2: There's a place. It's just a matter of how teams want to how teams want to shape how their, teams their team. Play, so like for example, you can make the argument that Tice outplayed Riga Bird or our past jazz game, which which is an advantage to the small ball argument. But the thing is, that's not always going to be the case. So the perk, you have to decide which ones you want more, the pro or the con, which one your your team is going to need. Some teams believe that the small ball revolution is coming. Others are like, we could care less about the small ball. We're going to play the way we play. And like the Jazz made that assumption, we're gonna play the way we play. We're gonna have talented guards around our all defense, defensive player of the year post. And they're gonna play that way. Like they had Tony Bradley and Rudy Gobert, two not necessarily slow footed, but bigs that protect the paint and are threat on the uh, lob threat slash post threat on the other end of the court. That's how the teams decide to play.
1: I think the question is, the realistic question is, can a low post center or center like that play 30 to 35 minutes a night particularly in the playoffs and that's been trending to towards no over the past few years so
0: but we also have now a new era where there's so many seven footers that yeah. can do pretty much everything everything so yeah. now you think joe joe is a perfect example of that of what you just say a low post scorer that that can he play 30 to 35 minutes well, so Joe, when he's at his best, is also a major threat
1: from three, from three yeah, that's true. and that's can true. play make off DHO or just straight up attack. He's not just everywhere a straight threat.
2: That's why so, the Rockets had to go away from Clint Pella a couple years back or a year or two back because he couldn't play in, in, that, in that series versus the Warriors. Just like Looney stopped playing for the Warriors towards when, when they started getting down the crunch time, they started putting Draymond at center, and that's the argument of about whether or not they can play thirty. Sure, they're going to play there. 20, like, Andrew Boga was huge for the Warriors in that, in that run a couple of years back because he was able to defend and he was also able to pass and be efficient on the offensive end with the people that had around
0: him. Okay, so I've watched – I mean, now I can't say that I used to be like – I used to watch Philly, like, all the time, even before I knew Joe Joe Like, before, even even not like a while ago before I knew Embiid, I used to watch him all the time. He was one of my favorite players, and I used to watch Philly, like, every day. Every time, every time they had the game and everything, and their best games started with Joel dom- dominating in the paint, like the majority of them. Like every time Joel came out and was like, "Like screw it, like today I'm just gonna bust everybody behind." Like that game is just every like the the uh, the opposing team just struggle the whole game. So, if you have a player like that, like Joe, that can dominate just the game like on the block like no other right if you have more people like that do you think it would trend back to the way it was
2: i don't i don't honestly i don't you don't think so i don't see it anytime soon because like joe how talented bigs are becoming like bigs are less inclined they still have like joel has all the capabilities of scoring with his back to the basket he also has the ability to knock down a three face up and make the right decision making. Yeah. That's what separates him. Like there's not many seven footers who are both back to the basket scores mm. as well as facilitators and playmakers. Jokic is another one of them. Yeah. Unicorns where they can both play on the offensive end because they can play make for others as well as put you in the block and get score for themselves. Around the league you don't see many of those. And that's why the bigs are trending to be more skilled and more successful in that way. So that's why more seven footers are coming out of the league. As in, like, Giannis is seven feet. Like, he's playing full speed. He's more of a guard than he is a big, you would say. Like, Kevin Durant's more of a guard than he is a big. He's like 6'11, seven feet. Michael Porter is 6'11. Like, he's playing more guard than he is post, but he can still play with a back to the bat. He's a scorer. Like, there's a lot of guys who are that size who are able to necessarily move their feet now. And that's where you kind of respect those quote unicorn type players, like coming up from high school like Imani Bates six eleven but guess what he moves like a guard like he's already
1: 6'11"? he's a big boy I've heard he was six nine at this point I thought he was six eight. either way he's probably gonna be seven feet exactly yeah, that's, yeah. he's like, be that's a, a what made start. Harry.
2: that's what made Harry so intriguing in high school Harry was six ten six eleven he was moving like he was who Harry Giles when oh, he was the yeah. number one player in the country he yeah. was. Six ten, six
0: eleven. I do remember. But guess Aerie, what? Areas yeah. Aerie, a good. Dude. He had
2: all the. He's a good dude, but he also had all the footwork of a big, but also could move on the on the perimeter. He was able to screen, roll, lob. He could shoot a little bit. Like that's where the league is kind of adapting. That's why the league always adapts. It changes over time, trying to see what's most efficient. Mid range jumper is not efficient anymore, quote unquote. That was all they shot from two thousand to like twenty
0: thirteen. So if you. Hypothetically, if you had a kid, right? And then the kid turns out, you know, like you you can see it, like he's gonna be tall. Like he's gonna be a big kid. How would you train your kid?
2: Train him like a guard first and then train him with post work later. Cause feet, footwork. Cause you know,
0: you know even, even recently, like me, uh, when I started playing basketball pretty late, right? And then whenever I remember Even in college, sometimes like my college coaches used to get on me about that. I used to try to shoot jump shots, right? Like mid-range jump shots, like just messing around and they were always like, this is not gonna get you paid. Like, get your behind on the post. And now you- Uh, Now it's the opposite. Now you get get into a point where it's like people don't post up anymore. It's like, if if you're big, you can shoot, you can move your feet. You can run up and down. You can guard, but you can also post up. But you can also post up. So now, would you tell would you tell your players not to you know not to shoot jump shots, not to add to their you know repertoire, and just post? Or would you encourage them to you know go and you know explore other things and you know expand their games? And you got to like look that?
2: at. Oh, I forgot to mention one of the, one of the other unicorns, Anthony Davis he grew up as a guard. Grew up as a guard. They so, grew
0: up as a guard, but those like, but he he had the chance, even though he grew up, he grew up in an area where it's like what I just say. When you big, they throw you behind in the post. But he was he was but small. But he was he was small, so he had the chance to start as a guard. But like, a lot of people didn't have that. They just they were just big the whole time, and just people just kind of threw how, them in the box. And like grass, early.
2: And that's why grassroots programs are changing too in AAU. You see a lot of bigger players other than the ones that come late starting developmentally every player in the same way they start them with ball handling they start them with the same type of drills and then they teach the footwork later like post post scoring is hard to do especially if you don't spend time with it that's why
0: so many perimeter players over time oh i was about just it. about to say that like kobe there's finna- all these, Look, all these guys so, but it's it's kind of backwards now because you have now a lot of primitive players that are posting. A lot. Because it's a lost art. Like A lot. Listen, so now it's like you're going to tell me let's say who who should I give? A, JT. Give me a big win. JT. Okay, JT. If JT is getting guarded by who, you know, like a small guard it's automatically post. Like JT is going to the post and he's scoring that ball. Like JT can just use a bucket. But then a lot of times, if you have a big that like has a small guy on him, like why wouldn't you do the same thing for him?
2: The argument there is the type of like the way he's posting. Like JT posts, catches the ball and he scores quick. You don't see many bigs that post and score. Uh, no, JT takes his take his time. He takes his time. It one, depends. No, two, he does. He against uh, bigger wings he when he takes... plays against guy. When we play against guys like, for example, Fred VanVleet was guarding JT.
0: You oh he just turned the... yeah, he if he if JT can turn around and just shoot over you, he just turn around and shoot right. over you. But like a lot of times I've seen JT, he takes his time. Like he would face you up, kinda jab, put the ball between his legs, sidestep, like put the like start backing you down, spin. He'd love that spin. Like he would back you down and then just spin and like yeah. he loves to do that. Like he takes his time. So if you do if you do that for, like, guards, why wouldn't you necessarily do that for bigs that also have a miss? I think Tom is making a totally fair point. It's I mean, a fair you, point. If you've got
1: a six-inch clearance to shoot over the top, then, yeah, you should be taking it regardless of what your position yeah, so is. Yeah, so
0: that's sometimes some, Sometimes I'll watch a game and I'm like, you, you, have, you have a big that literally have, like, a, at least a five-inch advantage, and you're asking him to either go to, like, the, the, um, the corner, or go to the dunker, and then you post another, like a guard that has a mismatch. Like, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense.
1: I would say the, I, the one counter is that you're generally not as prepared to guard a post up if you're guarding a, a perimeter player. So, they might have their technique of how they want to leverage you and stuff like that down if that's, they're expecting you to be a post-up
2: guy. That's a big argument there. Because, like, a lot of guys, like, there's only certain perimeter players that know how to guard the post in the league. Chris Paul is one of the best post-defending point guards in the league. Kyle Lowry is another one of those. That I mean, bigs
0: don't
1: know how Those guys how to, are all great post-up players on offense also. All great post players Bigs all
0: don't play. know how to guard in the post anymore either. That's true. That is, I, I the, don't know about I, would say, I that. would say
1: a big thing is that the way you're allowed to guard a post-up is very different than the way you're allowed to use your hands for leverage as a defender or on the perimeter. And so there's less leeway with using using one hand to push off on the perimeter versus on the block. Like, they'll allow for a lot of lower uh, like forearm contact on the block but they're not going to allow on someone like JT taking his fadeaway jump shot from 17 feet out. So I think you can get away with more contact down, down low.
0: Yeah, you definitely can.
1: But, but yeah. But do you get my argument? Yeah, I agree. I agree with your argument. There was like two years ago when everyone was saying, and there were tons of coaches who were saying, "We don't post up because a post up is an inefficient play." So the post up is on its face inefficient in the idea that one, it's for two points instead of three points, whatever. But it's but it's a you're taking a highly contested layup, and you're generally not moving at the rim. So there's really? two reasons why it's tough. But if if you're seven foot seven, which there's not too many centers in the NBA that are, but you happen to be one of them, you know. if you're seven seven and you have a guy that's like six foot nine on you, like you, he can't guard your jump hook. And if you're confident in right. your jump hook, that's a money shot every right. single time. Again the, argument,
2: again, the argument is how quick is comparably, like JT when he catches in the post, he takes his time, yes. But when he does make his move, it's sudden. And he's able to either put defense off balance, create for others, or get a wide open shot himself. Like JJ doesn't take many contested layups off of post ups. It's all, it's typically off of drives. Off post ups, if he has contested, he typically finds a way to kick it out because that means someone else helped. It's not one on one. One on one, he just typically scores it. And course, any,
1: any post up player should be doing that. Any post up player that's should like be that. That's like what's it. made Joel so
2: great. And that's what that Joel, he'll, he'll pass out. Yeah. Pass it out. There's not many, like Ennis, when he gets a post up, it's a post up. Like he, that's
0: something that I'm working on personally. Like he's like, able to
2: pass it out, but it there's not many times he does. Like it, he did in Portland, especially because they would double on a, they sent a double early. But when he catches it deep in the paint, he's shooting no matter the if it's potential it or deep not. deep in
0: the paint. Is a dunk.
2: Yeah, but seven foot seven is different than, than seven feet or six eleven. Like it's crazy the difference between seven those seven inches and, and eight inch wingspan that you're right there at the rim. You should be a dunk because you. You better dunk. I was gonna say if you 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 didn't dunk,
0: dunk, I would be more upset. But yeah, so if you let's you have a if you if you have a post player that will score the ball in the post at like a high rate, let's say like seventy percent and up, why wouldn't you use that? They do. They I do. Yeah, many, yeah. I don't see
2: many that don't. That's why. That's, that's why. why like,
0: the blanket statement of the post up is dead or the
1: center's is dead is not true. Obviously, it's that's an overreaction. Because yeah, a great place. Like I said, Ennis so converts
2: to the five percent, whatever percent clip. We do it. Oh, I, I see. Ennis like, the but there's not many guys that
1: convert that highly. You got to convert that highly and you have to show that you have some sort of function on the perimeter and you have to be really great at reading when they're doubling you and kicking you out. Mm-hmm. If yeah, you're to be a starter. The, that's the
2: one I'm New saying. I'm really, and that's not many. And that's I'm why, really why do you think out. they don't post Rudy Gobert?
0: Like yesterday, i give you an example. Yesterday, right? Catch the ball in the post. Take like two on one dribble. The guy dig, right? Wait it. Take two dribbles. Then, um, the guy tried to dig again, but then Sheldon cut. So that cut make him kind of like retreat a little bit to kind of, you know, make sure Sheldon doesn't get the ball. And I just turned around and dunked it. Second time, catch the ball on the post. One dribble, the guy started to dig. Two dribble, he fully commits. And then I tried to pass it towards like the other side, but then I carried it. Like I was trying to retreat. And then just carried the ball and then put that put the ball down again. So like it's I know I know what you're saying. It's you gotta you gotta be able to do that also. I
1: mean, and the hard part is if you're if you're posting up and you're and you're deliberately hoping they're gonna come dig so that you can make that kickout yeah. pass. You have to be on alert from both angles because yeah. they you know, smart like the Celtics how they're guarding Joel. Is it's mostly one on one, and then they're sending in dig from different directions. So someone's taking a baseline, someone's going to the top. We're not giving
0: out that secret.
1: Oh, well, I'll give. I've already written too many film breakdowns about the secret. We're not. On this we're, not one. we're not saying the,
0: how. We're not saying how we got in Joe.
1: Well, I. I can, I'm not
0: telling Joel how we got in Well, I.
1: I can. I can tell America that it's. It's. You're, you have to. and This is the key for any team that's defending Joel. Is like you have to mix up where you're sending in that second
0: person. But I always Dick say, it's, it's, All not I say just, is, it's not just Joel. It doesn't matter. I, I know it's, Joel. It's, no, not,
2: it's not just Joel. So with any star caliber player, you have to switch it up on them. So whether it's sending doubles, staying them square, playing them straight up, you're finding a way to keep them off balance. Like you don't play a, certain, a person the same way the entire game unless you're trying to get 45 put in your head by that star player. So when you – even Every single team you play against, whether you're playing as Trey Young on a perimeter, and he's coming out of those pick and rolls, you're going to, sometimes you're going to drop him, sometimes you're going to blitz him, sometimes you're going to send him over and switch. Like, you just got to keep switching it up on him to make him uncomfortable. Same way you would as if you dumped the ball into the post that, okay, we're going to guard one-on-one. Okay, I'm I'm double-teaming him from the middle. Okay, I'm double-teaming him from the baseline. Okay, I'm double-teaming him from the least, best shooter on the team. Okay, we're going to, um, once he catches the ball, go immediately and make him throw it back out so force a wide open, force a three for somebody else. Just trying to keep them off balance and keep them understanding that we're, we're focused in on you as much
0: as you're focused in on scoring the basketball. I was just listening. I, I was thinking about something. I don't know. I, know sure, <laughs> really. I was actually, I don't know. But like, I was just saying, If sometimes I feel like if Joe, if Joel really tried, like I know he can. It, it, it doesn't matter what you throw at him like just he just can't be that dominant. like when we play the last time we played him here, I feel like he just stopped trying. like he, we, we, we played him well the first two possessions, and then after that like he he didn't even try. but a player like that that can be so dominant, I feel like if he really wants to, it's just it's just game over.
1: All right. Well, that is going to do it for the Grant and Taco Show. For Grant Williams and Taco Fall, my name is Jared Weiss. Be sure to check us out next week with another episode. As we continue to have this debate, this debate really did rage on for a while. So don't forget to subscribe to the Anything is Potable feed, leave a five-star review, and we'll see you next week on the Grant and Taco Show. (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> no.